Hello, everybody, and welcome to another brand new episode of History Creeps. I am one of your co-hosts, Chris Chavez, and I'm here with my two pals, my compadres, my creepy compadres, Carter Johnson and Johnny Townsend. What's up, guys? What's happening? Hello, hello, and I just want everybody to know this. In my area, the McRib is back, so things are going pretty swell for me Ooh, that's creepy the McRib. it's mcrib time well you say it's back in your area is that not nationwide i don't know anymore <laughs> i don't know things the mcrib is one of the one of the greatest mysteries in all of uh mystery dumb what happened yeah it's a mystery because it's not really a mcrib yeah it's not really a rib it's some sort of weird meat and it's very divisive <laughs> i happen to love it it's kind of uh, like a sponge, isn't it? It's a delicious, amazing sponge. And here's my thing. Uh, if this isn't national, what's to say it's not like the manager was moving stuff and, and, and all of a sudden came across a box from three years ago. It's like, we've got a whole box of McRibs here. Let's make some money. Well, first of all, that wouldn't uh, you know slow me down. But second <laughs> of all, I saw the commercial for it. So this is, uh, this is getting pretty big over here. We're going to have a whole episode dedicated to the McRib uh, when it's my turn. <laughs> like, where does it go? What's it made from? The mis- <laughs> what is this? The mystery of the McRib. <laughs> That's awesome. So how you go? Well, I know how you're doing, Johnny. How you doing, Carter? I'm doing pretty good, man. I'm dadding it up over here, you know. Dadding it up. Did the uh, did the princess get a, a costume this year for Halloween? Uh, this year we were... Uh... The Dalmatians from 101 Dalmatians. Oh, nice. I was Pongo, Ellen was Purdy, and we had a little Dalmatian pop. There you go. <laughs> That's pretty sweet, dude. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty fun. It so was pretty, you, I'm not going to lie. Did you take them out trick-or-treating, or did you go to like a party with them, or how did that work out? Just to do it? No, we just, yeah, we just did it to do it. We just hung around the house. I mean, there's not really, Yeah. you know... I'm going. 35, man. Most of my friends don't throw parties anymore. And if they do, not like that, you know. I was what gonna mean? say, if they That's do, you're not truth. bringing the baby. Like, you know what? It'd be a party where you could bring the baby because we've gone from uh, keg beer and stale chips to uh, wine and brie. So <laughs> and naps five minutes after dinner. Right. <laughs> right. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, Halloween came and went. My place. I was telling you guys before we started recording. Uh, <clears throat> I live in a neighborhood where this is where the van full of children come. They they come and drop off the children. You know what I mean? Uh, And and you'll see the cars also creep along the side of the road with the kids as the kids go down each house. It's the weirdest thing. Um, Have you ever seen this, guys? Is this something that happens in your neighborhood? It used to happen when I was a kid at the neighborhood that I lived in. But like the where I live now, which isn't too far from where I grew up, uh, but it's. Like I was telling you guys, we got three trick or treaters this year, and that's about on average what we've been getting here for the past five or six years. So it's pretty sparse, it seems, even though it's a big neighborhood. I don't know. I don't remember when I was a kid. I do not remember the car though, the like the mom or the dad creeping along yeah. the side of the road and watching, you know, making sure the kid was getting the candy and doing the thing. And no, I don't remember that when I was a kid. I I, I think I'd be mortified if my kid, my my parents were. You know, following along beside me, and be like, "Mom, leave me alone." Hey, my dad, my dad would do that, but why would I be mortified? I'm getting flipping candy out of this. <laughs> well, you know, you don't want to be embarrassed by your yeah. parents when you're a kid and you're with your friends. Uh, hey, they can embarrass me all they want, as long as I get some Reese's Pieces up in here. 
<laughs> That's awesome. So yeah, it was a good Halloween here. Uh and now we're back. We're back with a new edition of History Creeps. And I'm ready. I like the way you say that. And I'm ready. I'm ready to get into it because uh we don't have Let's get it on <laughs> History Creeps. <laughs> Let's get into it. <laughs> we don't have uh current creeps this week. It's funny, we all come to the table, we're just like, you guys have a current creep? Nope, not me. No. Neither. <laughs> oh, crap, that's right, we do current creeps, don't we? <laughs> um, yeah, whose idea was that? <laughs> I think it was mine. It's making, giving it was us a terrible more idea. Work. More work. Um, but no, we're going to get right into it today. Today, we're going to revisit Urban Legends. It's, uh, it's my favorite installment of the show, some of my favorite stuff to talk about. Uh, so this is going to be Urban Legends Part 4. I've got three urban legends for you guys today i've gotten the information from different parts of the interweb and i will give uh credit to the writers of certain articles as they come up and as uh as always a lot of times i like to see if there's any truth uh or anything that these stories could be based in in real life uh and so for these ones again i found that these were based on true stories um and you can actually find articles online from newspapers from the times that these things actually happened. Oh, so you guys ready to get into some urban legends? Let's do it. Give me a second. Okay, I'm ready. Have to prepare yourself. All right, we're going to get into the first urban legend. This one I titled uh, to match the name of a movie that was actually based on this urban legend, uh, 1979 movie by the name of When a Stranger Calls. Have you guys ever seen that movie? Yep, and the remake. Uh, I remember the, yeah, exactly. I saw both of them. Um, but for those who don't know, the story for When a Stranger Calls or the urban legend that it's based around is that a babysitter uh, is is that is working one night watching kids while their parents are out to dinner, um, and this story dates back to the 1960s when you know teenage girls getting babysitting jobs was basically the norm. It was how, how these young high school girls learned about making money and saving money. They would work uh, by babysitting. So the story goes that this girl's babysitting these kids uh, one night. Uh, when all of a sudden she starts getting these phone calls and, and these harassing calls, and the first things that uh, the, that happen, are, you know, she answers the call and it's just this weird breathing sound, and she hangs up and you know she thinks maybe it's one of her friends playing a joke on her. Uh, a few a few hours later, the, call, the phone goes off again, and this time it's somebody breathing and you know telling her that they're watching her, and she hangs up and she's kind of scared. She calls around to make sure none of her friends or her boyfriend's messing with her, and they all promise it's not the case. Uh, she puts the kids to bed, goes downstairs to turn on the television, uh, and the phone goes off again. She answers it because she's expecting the parents to come home at any time, assuming it's them calling. Uh, so she answers the phone, and this time the caller says to her, have you checked the children? So the babysitter freaks out and calls the police. Uh, the police say, you know, stay on the line, and we're going to go ahead and trace the calls to see where they're coming from. And when the, the cop comes back on the line... Uh, he's a little alarmed. And he says to her, he says, you know, you need to get those kids. You need to get out of the house. And she's like, well, you know, why? What's the matter? And he tells her that the calls are coming from inside the house. And that's the that's the part in the story that you're supposed to, you know, gasp at because that's the kicker. Right? <gasps> gasp. <laughs> that, that's the <laughs> Thank kicker. Thank you, Johnny. <laughs> so that's the story. 
Um, now, aside from having seen the the movies, was this a story that you guys were ever familiar with? Were you told this story when you were a kid? Did you know about this one? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I was a Boy Scout for a little while, and that was one of the stories, you know, (laughs) well, hey, I don't like to brag, you know, (laughs) it didn't, it didn't, it didn't work out. There was an involuntary, uh, separation there. Um, (laughs) Uh, that was a story that was told around the campfire, literally around the campfire. So, yeah, you know, along with like your hook man stories, you know, pretty much anything that you've covered before now, Chris, we told, we told oh, around the campfire. That's awesome. You know, any, any of those urban legends like that. And that was always a popular one because you could, you know, you know how you would embellish them. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah, you'd make yeah. up you'd make up little details that you would think would would, you know, would creep people out and stuff. Even I mean, I just did. As I was telling the story, I was throwing in little things that aren't anything that I have written down here whatsoever. Um, by the way, this article was written by Lyra Radford. I want to say that before I continue. Uh, so prior to this tale circulation, there was a horrific rape and murder of a 12 year old girl named Janet Christman while she was babysitting in Columbia, Missouri. On March 18, 1950, a storm was brewing outside when Janet put three-year-old Gregory Romack down to sleep. Sometime before the family returned at 1.30 a.m., someone had shattered a window, forced their way in, and viciously raped and brutalized Christman before strangling her to death with an iron cord. Uh, Robert Mueller had made unwelcome advances toward Janet and had been long believed to be responsible for Janet's death and the death of Mary Lou Jenkins, a 20-year-old who was murdered in the exact same manner as Janet back in 1946. There had also been multiple unsolved rapes in between the murders, all in the same area. Unfortunately, the evidence against Mueller was circumstantial, and even though he was convicted of Janet's murder, he sued for unlawful imprisonment and claimed his constitutional rights had been violated. His conviction was overturned, and he moved out of town. After Mueller left, there were no similar rape strangulation cases reported. So there's, you know, you can say that this story could be based on something like that. Like we talked about in all of our urban legend episodes, is you a lot of times these horrific things happen, uh, and then these stories come off of them. They kind of blossom off of the true story. And like you said, uh, Carter, they're told around campfires. They're told in in the school hallways and somebody embellishes something and to a point where it becomes its own thing. But really, you can trace it back to something that may have happened uh, right before that story came out. So these this happened in the late 40s and the 50s. And the uh, babysitter and killer upstairs urban legend can be dated as far back as the 1960s. Um, Another thing I found here that was kind of fascinating when I was looking into this was if, you know how they always have those those weird cases when, like, the, the, the fact what's going on right now copies a story? Do you know what I mean? So I found, yeah. I found this article by Nathan Birch. In July of 2014, a 16-year-old girl from Chester, England, unexpectedly found herself in the middle of basically every slasher movie ever. The girl started receiving messages from a local 18-year-old uh, stalker named Kyle Ravenscroft who texted that he was watching her and that he wanted her to awaken to the sight of him hanging outside her window. Those were just his suave opening lines. At midnight, our protagonist received another terrifying text that she was getting ready for bed. Quote, I'm in your house. Uh, so I actually found the article for this. This is in the Chester, uh, the Chronicle, Chester Chronicle. Um, it says that 
Let's see. His uh, The 16-year-old victim was at home with her mother when she was sent a series of frightening text messages from Ravenscroft on July 3rd this year. He said he had walked from Els- Ellesmere Port to her Chester house, was, quote, standing in the grounds watching her, and, quote, hoped she would wake up and find him hanging outside. She was so frightened by the messages, she decided to sleep in her mom's room uh, as her bedroom was on the ground floor. Just before she fell asleep and just after midnight, he sent her a terrifying text reading, I'm in your house. She didn't believe him, but thought he was nearby. Uh, the next morning, she returned to her room and was, in on, was sitting on her bed uh, on the phone with a friend when she sensed someone was watching her. She had the feel, uh, quote, she had the feeling she was being watched and listened to, so she checked everything. She checked her wardrobe behind the doors. She then noticed that all her shoe boxes, normally neatly lined up under her bed, had been moved. She crouched down and saw him hiding under the bed. She said, what are you doing under my bed? And he said he had been asleep. Uh, moments later, the mom came into the room and spotted him. She yelled at him to leave, but before he did, he stole the teenage girl's phone, which he used to, quote, discover personal details about her life. Uh, the cops end up going to the kid's house and arresting him, and, and he's got to spend a few days in jail, but he basically gets a slap on the wrist because he's 18 and has never done anything bad before in his life over there. Uh, but isn't that a creepy thing? Like the dude totally, it feels like one of those horror movies. He's texting her while he's underneath her bed. I'm in the house. The, the, the more frightening part is something in his brain told him that this was a way to get the girl. Like this, yeah. like this is, this is romantic. At some point he's going to, yeah. I, I hope you watch, you, you wake up to me hanging from the window. Like yeah. this is, this is going to win her heart. Yeah. What a Romeo over there. So, I would have stabbed him. <laughs> I'm not even gonna lie, dude. I I totally would have like seen that under my bed. Or you know what? You know what? Just like start jumping really hard on the bed, like <laughs> like try to crack his skull or something. Yeah, that's awesome. That's crazy yeah. though. Like uh, I always I had remembered hearing the story of the babysitter, the killer upstairs. One of those things where my uh, one of my cousins used to tell us scary stories when we were real little. Gather us all around you know, turn the lights off and tell us scary stories in the dark. Um, I didn't know about how it had been based on the girl uh, that had been raped, the 12-year-old girl, the babysitter. But then you see stories like this, uh, and it's almost like every day now where crazy stuff is happening. So it's not really that surprising when you find out that there's this, you know, 18-year-old kid stalking this 16-year-old girl in her house. Yeah, yeah, in her house. Yeah. All right, you guys ready for uh, quiet in the library? Ooh. Uh, real quick, yeah. real quick. I was gonna say, Chris, this is also what Halloween is based on. Yes, that's true. I knew that one for sure. Um. Oh, you mean the movie? Yeah. <laughs> I've never not seen the it. holiday. Yeah, not the. You've never seen Halloween? Uh-oh. I don't watch that stuff. Dude, I, it's Halloween. I get scared. <laughs> Johnny, to be fair, that one's very not gore at all. Like that film is so not gore. It's just more about the the tension, the scare, and the horror of it. Well, I guess I'll have to You'll watch have it to. with a blanket I can put over my eyes. For sure, for sure, be yeah. one of those. Uh, Carter, will you come hold my hand? Dude, I will absolutely hold your hand if we watch Halloween. I'll tell you what. 
We hashtag could, bros for life. <laughs> we could probably fund something where once we get the Patreon going, we'll fund a, a live screening of it and a live viewing and uh, where everybody will get to tune in and watch you live on, on the internet. Watch as me, you watch, watch, me watch a movie. Exactly. <laughs> and like they can watch the movie also, but it, they'll, uh, it'll be you on screen hey, reacting. What do you think Twitch is, man? Come on. <laughs> people watch people play video games all the time. I thought them. it was when I eat way too much candy and I can't control myself anymore. Well, that's <laughs> the other kind of twitch oh <laughs> all right uh we're gonna move on to the next story here in the urban legends uh chapter four this is quiet in the library you guys both said you hadn't heard about this so uh i'm gonna go ahead now, i've heard of being quiet in the library Shh. i have heard that no talking i've been told that many times by librarians <laughs> me no too talking this is a library all right quiet in the library so the legend goes that a girl and her boyfriend go to the library to study and end up fooling around. They're almost caught by the librarian who tells them they need to be quiet or they have to leave. As the librarian turns to walk away, the boy makes a comment under his breath, causing the girl to laugh out. Librarian turns back and admonishes them a little more sternly and threatens to report the two to the principal. The students promise to behave. After the librarian leaves, the boyfriend tries to mess around with the girl, but she says no this time. She does not want to get into trouble, and she really needs to study for their upcoming test. The boyfriend gets annoyed and ends up leaving. No one notice, What no one notices is that they are being watched by a madman who had escaped the nearby prison earlier that afternoon. He grabs the girl, covering her mouth, and begins to stab her. Her muffled cries catch the attention of the librarian, who thinks it's the two kids fooling around again. She begins to make her way back to the table where they had been studying when all falls silent. The librarian returns to her desk. Moments later, a scream pierces the silence and everyone rushes to the source of the shriek. A terrified student stares at the girl's body slumped over, stabbed to death. So there's truth behind this. So this isn't a story you guys ever heard of before first? No. No, this is new to me. But isn't that terrifying? It's that terrifying feeling of needing help and help being like what? Maybe on the other side of, of a sh shelves of books. You know what I mean? And you can't do anything about it. Yeah. Um, it reminds me of the scene in Scream at the very beginning. I was uh, just going to say that. Yeah. After after um, Drew Barrymore's character had been choked, you know, wrestling with the with hey, ghost, ghost hey, face. I haven't seen this. <laughs> yeah. There's a scene Poor. where she's she's literally like five feet from her parents as they're walking up the steps to let themselves into the house and she's tr reaching out and trying to speak to him but she can't because her throat's crushed and she's just going ah, 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 and they don't hear her. they walk into the house and you know it's that that it, that's freaking terrifying i don't know about you guys i used to have a uh, yeah. a nightmare when i was a kid where um something bad was going to happen i was doing everything i could to scream and get my, my parents attention but no matter how wide my mouth was no matter how hard i felt like i was screaming not a sound came out of my mouth yeah i've had many of those and anytime david arquette is in anything i have that same experience <laughs> yeah i was gonna say chris you're 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 fearing the you know not being able to for her to call her parents, I'm worried about being hanging from the tree, gutted. <laughs> that's what that's what scares me. Yeah, right. So here's the deal: this story uh, has basis in truth. Uh, in another article by Nathan Birch, uh, Penn State student Betsy Ardsma was beautiful, bright, popular, and socially conscious. 
On November 28, 1969, Betsy told people she was going to the university's library to research a paper, but what she got instead was a single deadly stab wound to the chest. And despite numerous other students being only feet away from the crime scene, nobody heard any sound of a struggle. Betsy wasn't discovered until several minutes later, and initially nobody really realized what had happened to her because her red dress camouflaged any bloodstains. To this day, the circumstances surrounding Betsy's death remains a mystery. I found online uh, the Pittsburgh Press, uh, an article from the Pittsburgh Press, November 29th, 1969. Penn State girls' death probed. Uh, State police reported here they have questioned a couple of suspects in the mysterious stabbing death of an uh, um, about-to-be-engaged co-ed from Holland, Michigan, in a Penn State University's Patti Library. However, no charges have been filed in the death of Betsy Ardsma, 22, who was found lying in a pool of blood on the second floor of the campus library Friday afternoon. It goes on to say that they're they're questioning a few people who, you know, they they uh, they suspected. They talked to her fiance. Um, they say that she had been studying when she died of a puncture wound to the chest. No weapon had been found. They, you know, they canvassed the area, looked for people, looked for, and, and they got, basically they got nothing. It's to this day, it's an unsolved mystery. It's an unsolved murder. That's messed up, man. So, uh, next time you hear that, quiet in our library, uh, make sure you're looking around. And now you notice how all these, a lot of these stories always have that maniacal madman, that serial killer that just escaped from prison or, or the mental institution down the road. Yeah, that is yep. a, that's a recurring theme. What is the what is the fascination with that 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 fear of the of not being able? You know, is it because they're uncontrollable? It's something that you, you can't you know unpredictable. Yeah, and in, in writing they call it fear of the other. Yeah, it's something that where like you don't you know you can't you can't predict what their behavior is going to be. You know, like yeah. if I put you or Johnny in in a certain situation, depending on the situation, I could probably determine, you know, what the outcome is going to be. Like if I put Johnny in front of a zombie and release the zombie, Johnny's not just going to sit there and get eaten. Right. He's going to try, he's gonna try <laughs> to kill the thing. I mean, obviously, but you know, a crazy person, you don't you don't know what the hell they're going to do. Now, let's be fair though. I have seen Shaun of the Dead and. I could just end up like with my best friend, but I'm just like tied in a shed playing video games. <laughs> so it's not all bad being a zombie. Also, yeah, but you, but you're gonna come back for the sequel from Dust Till Sean. That's right. Uh, I can't wait for that. I'm very excited. That's not. You guys know that's not real though, right? Like that's. Uh, yeah, hey, don't destroy <laughs> my dreams, Chris. They wanted to do it. I guess there was a treatment for it, but uh, yeah. it's never gonna really happen. Which side sucks. note? I've been told many times I look a lot like Nick Frost. <laughs> for better or for worse that i've been told that that's amazing i take it as a, i take it as a compliment since i like the guy you should but, take you know. it as a compliment that is, he's yeah, awesome I was say you should cosplay it dude you know go up oh. to random sean's and be like is it true that there is a place on a man's head where if you shoot it it will blow up <laughs> i just want to throw records at him <laughs> another another side note on that uh just so you know johnny there's more blood and gore in Shaun of the dead than there is in halloween you know what's really weird if i know something's a comedy like it's just a comedy i can take it like i love that and what's that one um uh dale and tucker versus evil or something like that i'm yeah. getting the name wrong yeah no you're right tucker and dale versus evil yeah i had it backwards but i love that movie too and it's pretty what, gory what if uh, you should see idle hands dude what if we just replace the 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 
the music in the background with just like some like maybe music from Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Could you sit through Bonnie's horror mo- <laughs> sit through horror movies with nineties comedy hijinks music in the background? Right, we can just replace the Halloween theme with the Keystone Cops theme. <laughs> there you go. I'm on board for this. All right. <laughs> All right, so before we move on to that, we before we get into that anymore, let's go on to our, our next story here for Urban Legends. This is the last one, guys, and uh, talk about that f- fear of the other. This is the creepy man, the boogeyman, the guy that everyone's afraid of, right? This is a story of Cropsy. Uh, now, Johnny, you and I said we'd known about this this story because of, uh, we both saw the documentary uh, about Cropsy, a 2009 documentary. Yeah, now doesn't it take place like somewhere up in your neck of the woods? Uh, yeah, well, it's out. It's out in Staten Island, out out near New York City, across the okay. state. But yeah, it's it's oh, up the here. one you got to take a ferry to. It's the <laughs> yeah, it's up here in the uh, in, in the Northeast. I'd never heard of it until I'd seen this film. Uh, but in the documentary, apparently, it is a well known urban legend uh, in Staten Island. All the kids know it. Um, so this is what this is one of the articles I found online about Cropsy, and then uh. Just as a documentary, it ties the idea of this urban legend to a true story that happened. So this is uh, by Stephen Casal. Just who is Cropsy, you ask? Cropsy is the creature that lurks at the end of your block. It's the shadowy figure that prowls the edge of the playground. Cropsy is Staten Island's personal boogeyman, and it gained national attention in 2009 with the documentary Cropsy. The very creepy film outlines the origins of the homespun nightmare where, according to lore, an insane man with a hook for a hand terrorized neighborhood boys and girls, dragging them into the crumbling ruins of Staten Island's abandoned Seaview Hospital. I'm going to pause there for a second. Once again, an insane man uh, with a hook hand and preying on the children. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like all of these right. themes. These right. are always the themes to look out for. And, and think about it, too. Like back in those days, Stranger Danger... You know, people stealing kids off the street. That was the biggest fear back then. Uh, parents used to tell, uh, use the tale to spook their little ones at night. Go to bed or Cropsy will get you. But as the documentary points out, Cropsy turned frighteningly real in the 1970s when a local drifter named Andre Rand allegedly began attacking the children of Staten Island. Rand, born Frank Ruchan, worked as a janitor at the Willowbrook State School, an institution for mentally disabled children not far from the ruins of Seaview. During its 40 years of operation, Willowbrook repeatedly came under fire for the mistreatment of its students. A young Geraldo Rivera revealed the institution's horrid conditions to the public in a 1972 expose. By 1987, the school was shuttered for good. Andre Rand had left Willowbrook long before it closed. The first youth to go missing in, in a string of disappearances was five-year-old Alice Pereira, who vanished in 1972 after playing with her brother. The second was seven-year-old Holly Ann Hughes, who, according to witnesses, was spotted with Rand on the day of her disappearance in 1981. The third was 11-year-old Tyhees Jackson, who disappeared shortly after Rand was released from prison in 1983. The fourth was Hank Jaforio, a 20-year-old with a low IQ who was last seen with Rand at a diner in 1984. The final child was Jennifer Schweiger in the summer of 1987. A 12-year-old with Down syndrome, Jennifer told her parents she was going for a walk but never returned. A search party commenced in the wake of her vanishing. Neighbors combed the empty lots and wooded parks of Staten Island. By the time Rand, by that time, Rand was homeless and living in a series of makeshift campsites. 
One of his outposts was built in the woods behind his old stomping grounds, the Willow Brook State School. While searching the near-shuttered school, the firefighter uncovered a small foot in the earth, which ultimately gave way to Jennifer's buried body in a shallow grave. Rand's camp was discovered shortly thereafter. Uh, authorities soon arrested the man and charged him with murder. Rand was an ex-con with a record of crimes against children. In 69, he was arrested in South Bronx after attempting to rape a young girl. In 83, while working for a Staten Island school bus company, he kidnapped 11 children, bought them lunch, and drove them to New Jersey's Newark International Airport for no apparent reason. Uh, yet there was very little concrete evidence that linked Rand to the actual murder of Jennifer Schweiger. 1988, he was ultimately convicted of kidnapping in the first degree and sentenced to 25 years in prison. Jury was able to reach a verdict on the murder charge, and so it fell. In 2004, just four years shy of becoming eligible for parole, Rand was put on trial once more, this time for the 23-year-old case of Holly Ann Hughes. They presented new evidence in the proceedings, and he was convicted of kidnapping the little girl, sentenced to another 25 years. So he's going to die in prison. Uh, but yeah, the idea behind Cropsey, the guy that is hiding and living amongst the ruins of a mental institution is going to come out and snatch your children. Uh, again, especially that's, that's one of those fears that hits home to parents. First of all, um, hits home to kids. The fact that you could be snatched off the street and taken from the safety and, 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 and warmth of your home. Um, and it's, it's one of the, I feel like it's one of those themes that is just reoccurring through, through, all kinds of horror. It's one of it's, it's a base fear of being taken. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's really changed how we live. Uh, one of the big things, and this is not I'm not giving away any spoilers here, so don't worry. But uh, one of the things that I saw about Stranger Things, the, the Netflix show, uh, some of the people that are younger than us are saying that they're laughing at it because they're like, this will never happen. The reason that they say that oh, yeah. is not because of all the creatures and stuff, but because uh, the parents are just letting the kids run around in the neighborhood yep. uh, unsupervised all day. With no cell phones and, uh, to, to keep keep contact yeah. and know where they're at at all times. Yeah, but I remember even in my childhood, like, I mean, yep. I would tell my parents where I was going and they would know where I was going. Yeah. But, like, I could be gone all day and I'd just come back you know, for dinner or whatever. Yep. And it was okay. Same here, dude. Yeah. So Same. that doesn't happen today. Nope. And the, the, that's one of the things I love. We were talking about the fact that, uh, I finally got into stranger things. One of the things I love about it is that feeling of, I remember what it was like being a kid. Remember going out and riding bikes with your friends late at night, you know, and like yep. no, your parents didn't care where you were. I mean, it's like, you know, as long as you came home, you were alive. But back then there was still that fear of stranger danger, that, that fear of somebody snatching your kid off the street. Um, and yeah, like, the idea behind Cropsey, and I like the fact that it's a local urban legend. It's not something that's known all over, you know, all over the world, or even as well known as Bloody Mary or you know, Killer in the Back Seat. Uh, right. This is something that's specifically local to Staten Island, and then you know, the the horror that ties to it uh, with this guy, this Andre Rand, um, which reminds me. I wanted to put this out there for the next one. Did I already talk about this, or was this before the recording? I can't remember if we talked about it on the show. So if I'm repeating myself, whatever. But for the next episode, for the next Urban Legends 5, I'd like to have listeners send us uh, comments. Comments on this one, I'll put when I put this up on the Facebook page. Leave comments on local Urban Legends you'd like us to check out uh, for Chapter 5, because we'll look into them and discuss them on the show. Um, well, I have great news. This 
you didn't say that on the show before, so you're our <laughs> so golden, my friend. Yeah, yeah, you're you're good. Do you know how it is? Like when you're talking for a while, yeah. and you're like, "Wait, did I say that already?" <laughs> hey, speaking of that, I don't know if I've told you guys this or not, but the McRib it's back. So let me talk about. <laughs> oh, dude, the horror! Wait till you become a parent, man. Then you can't remember, Ugh, dude. I can't remember where my friggin' shoes are half the time. Like, but do you find I can't. I- I can't do that now, Carter. Do you, <laughs> Carter, do you find after becoming a parent now, um, does something look like this—the idea of cropsy—scare you more? Something that could where okay. your child could uh, you just be what? snatched you know away? What? I'm I'm, I'm going to hit you, I'm going to hit you both with this because I know you'll get it. So two weeks after we bring my daughter home, we sat down to watch Logan. Okay. <laughs> okay. The next movie after that we watched uh, was Fast Eight. Uh, do you guys watch the Fast and Furious movies at all? Yeah, yeah. I, I've seen them all, but the whatever the last one was. Yeah. Okay, no, no spoilers. That hit me hard too. Um, literally, anytime there's like a small, you know, like a baby or a small child like involved in something, now that I watch, like I couldn't watch uh, uh, Train Spotting all the way through the other day. Oh wow! I had to go. I had to go past all the parts with the baby man. It just I couldn't do it. I couldn't are, do it. Are you crying? So, yeah. at, are you crying at the Folgers commercials with the baby and the and the the dad returning from Iraq and the kid going? I, I, I might if I still had cable. But I, <laughs> <laughs> I noticed the other day that there's so many commercials now that if I was younger, I would have just been like, "Oh, it's a commercial." But now I'm like, "That's so that's so <laughs> sensitive." I mean. <laughs> You know, and I don't even have children. I'm just getting old. <laughs> but like, I cry at commercials now. What's wrong with me? Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I was just wondering that, especially as I was talking about in, in Cropsy, uh, where he was snatching these kids off the street. Like, how you would feel as a parent hearing that, and does it make these kinds of urban legends scarier? Are you know the one like you said, Carter? Before, maybe not. You may have watched the commercial and been like, "Man, it's a commercial." Now you watch and you're like, oh, my God, that touches you. So is it in the reverse where before the horror, it, you could read this, you could see the horror of this guy snatching the children. You'd be like, oh, my God, it's fucking crazy. But now you're just like, no, no, not my baby, not my baby. You know what I mean? Oh, dude, now I'm like now I'm watching the ring and I'm like, how can you put her in the well? How could you possibly do that? <laughs> <laughs> Like what is wrong with you? That's amazing. <laughs> that is amazing. So there you guys go there you go guys. Three urban legend stories based in fact or urban legends chapter four. Um one of which Well is, now I know now I know why I wouldn't have heard this Cropsy story. Yeah, yeah. The only reason I, I knew about it was the documentary. But it is. It's it's a big urban legend in, in Staten Island, a huge one. Uh so much so kids, parents, all kinds of people know about it. Um so, yeah, listeners, for real, if you guys have any cool urban legends, local urban legends most people may not know about, uh, leave it in the comments or send us a message on History Creeps on Facebook. Uh, let us know, and we'll, uh, we'll feature it. We'll talk about it. We'll, we'll mention you. Maybe we'll even get you on the show to, to, to talk about it yourselves. We'll see. Um, but that's this episode of Urban Legends Part 4. Anything else you guys want to say about those urban legends? Any thoughts on them? Any uh Anything? Oh, uh, 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 quiet in the library. Well, did they determine that it was a knife that that whoever it was used on her? Um, you said you said puncture. You said it was yeah. she was punctured. I'm so not, that's why I was like, did he use an ice pick or did he use a knife or? 
I'm not sure. I'm assuming it was a knife, a, a stab wound, uh, but I'm not sure to be honest. I didn't, I didn't see it in the article if it said, and I didn't find any follow up articles like you know any more investigations. This was literally written the next day. That's that's creepy. It is creepy, and that's that's another scary part too. Is just like you never know. That's the scary thing going on in the world today now. You know where like you just never know when something crazy, some crazy person is going to go nuts. Um, and it could be anywhere, man. You could be sitting at a restaurant at McDonald's with your family, you know, just thinking, hey, we're here having French fries and it's a nice day. And all of a sudden this guy walks by and starts stabbing you. You know what I mean? Hey, man, well, what did what did uh, what did uh, the Joker tell Commissioner Gordon? Exactly. You know, the only difference between you and me is one bad day. Yeah. So, uh, well, if he tries to mess with me and my McRib, he's going to have to put up a fight. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> so, Johnny, um. What's you up? better be prepared to bring it. So I take it you like the McRib? <laughs> I am a fan. I don't get it all the time. Maybe that's why I like it so much. Because they give you <laughs> just enough to make you want more. Yeah. If you give me if you give me something and then take it away, but then just every once in a while give me a little bit more of it, for whatever reason, I just love it. So that's probably why I like Rick and Morty so much. <laughs> I was going to say, it's Rick and Morty all day. Yeah. yeah. Stay at Stranger <laughs> Things all day, too. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Very cool. All right, guys. Well, that was our uh, edition, part four edition of Urban Legends. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, before we sign off here, we're just going to go around and let you guys know where you can find our uh, our social media and other endeavors. Carter, why don't you let the people know what you're up to? Uh, I am Carter Johnson, uh, novelist extraordinaire. Um, you can find my stuff on Amazon, uh, House on Dead Boy Lane, Meadowview Road, Spider's Web and Nightfall was just added to that recently uh, as well. Johnny, I am I am Johnny Townsend. I am mediocre extraordinaire. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you can find my art on my Instagram at johnnyisman28. Also, my other show is Retro Blist with my buddy Trevor. It's where we talk about old school video games, and it's on its very same network as well as on iTunes and Stitcher. And you can find us on Facebook and Twitter and at retro blessed all those things if you so choose and if you don't choose uh why be a jerk <laughs> if they don't choose then the history curse history creeps curse on you yeah start throwing curses around all right guys there thanks. you go as always thanks so much for listening we enjoyed bringing you the show if you found us on accident head over to our facebook page history creeps give us a follow we'll put our newest episodes up every week uh, we're also on our network, BICBP-radio.com. Check it out. There's a bunch of other shows on there as well, as well as my other podcast, Back Issues Comic Book Podcast. See what you like. Uh, head over to iTunes and Stitcher. Make sure you subscribe, comment, and rate uh, for the shows you do like. Make sure you support us. We're doing all kinds of things to bring you guys good content, so keep an eye out on the future. New shows coming, YouTube channels coming, Patreon accounts. Uh, we're doing things. We're also on uh, Instagram at backissues. Um, back issues. Jeez, we're on Instagram for history creeps. So find us on on Instagram at history creeps. And uh, that's about all for me. You that's guys about all for me as well. Nothing else. I don't have a high voice, so you can do it. <laughs> we're not ending this episode till you try. <laughs> you don't. You don't want to hear that. Right. I want to hear that more than anything. I want to hear that more than I want a McRib. That's gonna ooh, ooh, that's quite the challenge. That's gonna be a creepy. He's wiry. Thing. He's wiry. All right, guys. Thanks so much. <laughs> thanks so much for listening, joining us in the Urban Legends episode uh, for Johnny Townsend for Carter Johnson. This is Chris Chavez. Stay creepy.